So I watched a documentary this week entitled Happy. I don't know if any of you have seen that documentary, but it's available on Amazon Prime if you'd like to check it out. The premise is that this group of researchers went all over the world and talked to a bunch of different people and tried to figure out and and sort of quantify with, with data what it means to be happy and to figure out what are the factors that contribute to our happiness. And, and they looked at all different kinds of cultural contexts and settings. Uh, they traveled throughout the world and they, they gathered this data. And it's really hard. I mean, how do you, like, how do you know, right? How do you, how do you even know when someone is happy? Like, I, some people smile, some people don't, and they're still happy. Like, I, sometimes I'm an introvert. I like to sit by myself sometimes, and I'm perfectly happy doing that. You might not know it by looking at me because I'm just like sitting there, right? But that's happy. Like, that's a happy state for me sometimes. And so, uh, anyway, this documentary followed and, and kind of sort of chronicled people's lives for a season in, in time and asked them questions about what does it mean to be happy and how do you find, uh, how do you find yourself to be happy in, in, in these times? And it was really interesting. What they found, the, the results were that 50% of what makes us happy is determined by our DNA. So 50% of it, like you're either happy or you're not. Like you're born that way, sorry, that's what you get. <laughs> Which is a little bit discouraging. Except when you think about the fact that there's 50% that is not according to your DNA that makes us happy. And I think the most surprising thing in that for me was learning that how that other breakdown, how, how that other part, that other 50% was broken down. So as you can imagine, circumstances also dictate our happiness, right? Things happen to us that some of, some of them are, most of them, things that happen to us are beyond our control. And we, we just, all we can do is just receive what happens and respond to it. Would you believe that that only accounts for 10 percent of what makes us happy. The things that happen to us only accounts for 10 percent of what makes us happy. What that means is the other 40 percent of our happiness is determined partially by how we choose to be in the world. It's determined partially by things like relationships and how we spend our time and invest in one another and, and, and enjoy one another's company as, our, uh, as one of our, our, our uh, mission statements reads. Measures, sorry, measures. Um, so we have some control over that other 40%. It's, it's about how we spend our time in relationships. It's, uh, it's about how we are uh, exercising and moving. That contributes a lot to our sense of happiness and well-being. I saw something else on the news the other day of these people who had an office that had, the entire office was set up with not only standing desks, but treadmill desks. And so they sat at their desk all day, like literally walking. And it talked about, <laughs> talked about the benefits of, of continually moving throughout the day and how that also helps your brain. Uh, so some other things that make us happy, serving, doing things for others. If we spend our time investing in someone other than ourselves, there is something about our brain that makes us in and out. I think, let's see. I think it's this thing here. We'll, we'll just see how it goes. It's, it's not your fault. It's probably mine. Um, we're, we're all good. Thank you, Aaron. Um, friends, would you join me in thanking our sound folks? Because they do a fantastic job. Um, and... Sometimes this gets caught in my clothes. I, whatever, it's, it's not their fault. It just happens. So uh, thank you. We appreciate you guys. Um, so 
again, 40% of what happens to, to influence our happiness is something that's within our control. You can actually, they found, you can actually rewire your brain in as little as two weeks by changing your behavior and doing some of these things, exercising, moving, spending time intentionally with other people that are meaningful in your lives, and serving, giving to other people, living for someone besides yourself. And so that's, we're gonna spend some time talking about that today. Um, we're in the midst of a series on living revival. We had our tent revival a couple of weeks ago and we just continue to live out of that and out of what God has done in and through that time uh, and where God is calling us to next. And so we're living revival and, and we're living into the mission and vision that God has given us. Last week we talked about connecting. Today we're going to talk about serving and next week we will talk about growing spiritually. So just as a reminder, our mission is loving our community and inviting all to discover life in Christ. Loving our community, inviting all to discover life in Christ. And our vision for how we make that happen is to, that we would become deeply transformed disciples who live for the transformation of hearts and the church and our community and our world. And the way that we go about living into that mission and vision is through connecting with one another, through serving together, and through growing spiritually. So today we're going to look at what it means to be a servant. And so I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And this is kind of right at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest recorded sort of continuous words of Jesus in, in Scripture. And so it's from Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I invite you to hear this word. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. What do you think about when you hear the phrase salt of the earth? When somebody says, boy, that person is just salt of the earth. I, a lot of times we take that expression to mean it's just a good, solid, kind of down-to-earth, grounded, very decent human being, right? And, and that's how we sort of hear that. And that's a good aim for us today, right? To be salt of the earth. Sometimes there's a little more edginess to it, right? But um, let's, take the, let's take the broader, like, this is a good person. This is a good person, grounded and good. It's good for us to aspire to that. Um, but when Jesus used that phrase, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, to the crowds of people that were gathered there listening to him and to his disciples, and even for us here today, it has a deeper meaning. And so I want to explore that a little bit today throughout, throughout Scripture. At the time then when Jesus said that you're the salt of the earth, there was, uh, the uses for salt were similar to some of the ones that we have today, right? It was used for flavor. So salt was used to accentuate the flavors around it, to, to bring out the best of the ingredients of the particular dish. Right? It helps us to, to taste things more intensely than we would without it. 
I have to continually remind, like my daughter Anne just loves salt and she's kind of, I'm like, hey, hey, well, that's, that's all right because too much can be a bad thing. Um, but it, it intensifies the flavor, right? It, it makes the things that you put it on more, more rich and interesting. And in Jesus' day, salt was also used for preservation, right? They didn't have refrigerators that you could plug in and so they would use salt to, to keep things from going bad. They would pack meat in it, for example, and, and, and use that to extend the life of the meat. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, that's kind of an interesting metaphor for us. We, we are called as Christians to join in God's work in the world to, to add flavor, to add meaning, to, to extend the life of those around us, to help keep the world, in a sense, from going bad. You are the salt of the earth. Uh, and so as followers of, of, of Jesus, uh, as God's children, we're called to enrich the lives of those around us and, and, and to bring out the best in them in every situation. And, and, and we do that in order that people might see our good works and give God glory in heaven. This week, our youth had an opportunity to participate in a service week where they had uh, a chance to participate in various service projects, both here in the church and outside of the church. And that was led and organized by uh, Danae Christ, our new youth. She's not new anymore. She's been here for six months, but some of that was in the pandemic, and so some of it feels a little bit new. Um, but Danae led the youth in, in a service week this week, and they had an opportunity to participate in some projects here around the church. Uh, they wrote some, some cards and notes to shut in. There's Danae. Hey, Danae. Say, say hi to the good folks here this morning. Um, and uh, they, also, uh, they also helped somebody move here in Boone. They, they participated in some local ministries as well. And I want to invite Ellery Smith to come forward. Ellery was one of the, uh, one of the people in the youth group that, that participated in this service week. And I just want to have her share a little bit about what it was that she did this week and, and how the service kind of affected and impacted her. And so... Here you go, Ellery. So would you just, uh, first of all, would you help me welcome Ellery? Welcome, Ellery. <laughs> Ellery, would you tell us a little bit about what you did this week? How was service week? So, uh, yeah, this week we did an array of different activities to serve our community. Um, it was kind of interesting, the span of things we got to do in just a week. Um, we were able to help someone move um, here in Boone, we were able to help families out in Todd. We were able to write to people who um, can't get out and come to church. We were able to help uh, people all the way across the world through Wine to Water, um, which is a local mission. Can you say more about Wine to Water? Like, what did you do there, and what was your what was the project? Yeah, so Wine to Water has its uh, main location in downtown Boone. And their mission is to provide access to clean, drinkable water all over the world. Um, so the part we helped with was assembling filters for them um, to send to the Amazon, I believe. So, uh, you know, the significance of it was not only were they providing water, which is, of course, necessary, but uh, we wrote notes to people. So. Uh, you know, we're not only sharing water, we're sharing like a sense of community and love. And, you know, if I was receiving a gift like that, I'd much rather receive, you know, a heartfelt note from someone um, than just a package with instructions. Um, 
even though both are obviously necessary. Yeah, absolutely. So they have they have a system for creating these water filters, right? And they're very they're very simple and very easy to put together. They invite folks like anybody can come and 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 put these filters together, and they send them throughout the world, which is amazing. So they're literally providing the gift of life, right? We can't live without water. And so for you guys to be able to participate in that was, was really cool. And, and like you said, not only is it just, we're not just sending the package and saying, here you go, good luck. You, you sent a personal note, right? And I know how much that means to receive a note from somebody just to say, hey, we're thinking about you. Um, we want to bless you in, in receiving this gift. I, I talked to a lot of friends in our, in our congregation and in our community who are, are shut in and not able to get out. Um, and just a note every once in a while to remind them that, hey, somebody, somebody loves you. Somebody's thinking of you. Um, what a beautiful way. Uh, to serve. And I, I just wondered, if there, is there anything else that um, through your time there or throughout the week that just kind of, what was going on kind of in your heart as you, as you served this week? How did, you, how did you feel? How did you, yeah, how did you respond? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, the, um, like the study you uh, mentioned with yeah. the impact of service on our happiness. And, you know, thinking about that, I can, def- I can definitely see that in myself throughout the past week. Um, and, you know, I would just encourage people, like, God has literally built in the <laughs> ability and the willingness to serve each other and to help each other and to grow together. And all we have to do is just utilize that. And it's not only good for other people, it's good for ourselves. And we're designed to work together. You know, there's no point in, uh, in staying apart when we can prosper together, I guess. Absolutely. Amen. I, friends. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. Anything else you want to add? Um, no. That was a good note to go out on, but <laughs> awesome. Ellery, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. As she said, we are built that way. God made us for relationship. God made us, God, God wired our brains so that when we serve, it actually helps us as well, not just the people that we are serving and the people that we're serving with. It rewires our brains to help us to experience a sense of joy and purpose and happiness and goodness. What a, what a beautiful thing. And, and it's easy, right? As Ellery said, like, you, you didn't have to go anywhere. You, you had to go, like, five minutes down the road, right? And you're, you're helping provide clean water and a word of encouragement to somebody who lives in the Amazon, uh, hours and hours away by plane. Uh, what an amazing gift. That's fantastic. And so you are the salt of the earth, is what Jesus tells us. You're the salt of the earth, built and, and, and wired to enhance the flavor and the experience of life for those around us. Not pointing to ourselves, but, but pointing to others and experiencing God's goodness in it. And it actually makes us happier in the process. But you know, there's actually a deeper understanding of salt in scripture as well, if we dig a little bit more. There are many places throughout the Old Testament where salt was used that I wasn't really familiar with before until I started researching a little bit. But listen to this. In Numbers chapter 18 and in Second Chronicles chapter 13, salt was used, used to seal the covenant between God and God's people, specifically between God and the priests. Every time there was a new priest, they would use salt as a part of the, the consecration ceremony for the new priest. Same thing for kings. When kings were anointed in Israel, salt was a part of the covenant, part of the, the understanding of the relationship between God and God's people. Salt was used to sort of solidify that and, and consecrate that relationship. 
and pointed out physically and tangibly. In Exodus, when Moses prepared the incense for the tent of meeting, do you remember? The tent of meeting is where Moses would go to meet with God and then he would come down and, and talk to the Israelites. I, when, when Moses would prepare the incense for the tent, salt was a part of that incense as well. So it's a part of the, of the offering. He was told to season the incense with salt. Leviticus chapter 2 uh, gives instructions for priests who are offering sacrifices to God. It says this, you shall not omit from your grain offerings the salt of the covenant with your God. With all of your offerings, you shall offer salt. So what an interesting thing to, to realize that salt was not only used to preserve, to enhance flavor, it was also used to physically represent the covenant between God's people and God. The relationship between when God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. He solidified that and, and, and made that uh, tangible. You could touch it. It was made known through the offerings and through the sacrifices that God's people offered. And so there's just such a rich connection between salt and God's people. It's about relationship. It's about worship. And it's also about sacrifice. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, that is an invitation for us to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And what did Jesus ultimately do? Jesus ultimately made of himself a sacrifice for all of the earth in order that all of us might not perish but have eternal life. You are the salt of the earth means do as Jesus has done. Offer yourselves to the world to enrich the flavor of those around you, to enrich the experience, to make life better for those around you, to serve. And ultimately, we are called to sacrifice ourselves as Jesus did for the whole world in order that others might know God's great love for us. I love that metaphor, and, and, and I just, I, I, I want to point out another example of service in our midst. And I, I hesitate to do this because there are so many of us who serve in various ways throughout the church. But there's one that was particularly, there's one person that was particularly timely this week. Um, Anna Welsh is a member of our congregation, has been for a long time, and she helps to organize the Thursday night meals that are served. And many of you help to serve those meals out of the portico down there. And Anna has been doing this for well over a year. She has done it um, throughout the pandemic. The, the reason that it came about, Thursday night dinner, um, we started by meeting in the Family Life Center. If you remember way back then when we used to do that, to meet and gather and eat together um, before the pandemic. Uh, but there was, a local food, there was a local organization in town that used to provide meals, and that organization was no longer able to do so. And so uh, some folks in our congregation said, hey, we ought to do that. Like, we can, we can make a meal. We can do that. And so we started hosting Thursday night dinners in the Family Life Center. And, uh, and so Anna was a part of that at the time and serving and helping out. Uh, and eventually then along came the pandemic, and we couldn't do that anymore. And so she helped lead the effort to sort of reorganize, reimagine how to do Thursday night dinner and, and so made it just a drive-through. So you could come and just pick up, pick up dinner. Um, and many of us participated. In my family, we always would look forward to that, to having, we knew Thursday was covered. We're good to go. We don't have to think about it. We could just come through. Anybody who needed a meal um, could come and receive a meal. They didn't miss any weeks throughout the pandemic. Uh, even though the whole world shut down, we were still, because of Anna's persistence and leadership and dedication and faithfulness, uh, able to serve meals to folks every single week, even in the midst of the pandemic. And she, here's the thing about Anna. She doesn't even really particularly like to cook. 
She doesn't. She doesn't, it doesn't give her joy. It doesn't like, oh, I can't wait to get in the kitchen. No, she doesn't. The other thing is, like, she's vegetarian. Not all of the meals, most of the meals, all of the meals that we served had a meat component to it, right, as part of the protein. And yet, she's like, well, I mean, I don't really do this, but hey, it tastes good with beans, so I'm sure if I flavor the meat that way, it's going to taste good too. And she just rolled with it. And she made it happen week after week after week, along with many of you who served as volunteers uh, to help make that Thursday night dinner happen. Friends, that is what it looks like to be sacrificial. She didn't do it for herself. She did it for others. She did it for our community. And all of you who participated did the same thing. And what a beautiful thing to say, hey, this isn't really my thing, but I can see that there's a need here. And so I'm going to step up and help meet that need. It's one of the ways that I've, I've seen our church respond many times in our community. Whenever we learn about something that needs to be taken care of, we're good about saying, oh, I can help out with that. And that is fantastic. And that's what Jesus calls us to do, even in sacrificial ways, even in ways that maybe this isn't our thing, but hey, this needs to happen. And as somebody who follows Jesus, I want to be a part of being salt and light in the world. And so uh, thank you to Anna Wells for everything, uh, Anna, that you have done to, to help uh, make Thursday night meals happen. We're taking a break on those, and that's why I said it was timely for this week. Um, it's just been a, it's been a long time. It's been a long season. And volunteers uh, are sometimes hard to come by. And so we're going to take a break and, and reimagine what Thursday night dinner might look like in the fall once we've had a chance to, uh, to, to finish out the summer and, and just check out uh, what, what's going on with COVID and all that stuff. We'll kind of think through that again. But here's the point, Right. God says that you, Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Church, we need you. (laughs) We need you to be the salt of the earth. God doesn't need us because God's got like billions of people, right? But we need you here to be salt and light in our community. And it's, it's not enough just to say, hey, isn't that awesome that our church has such a great youth program? It's not enough. Like, come and volunteer. Come and help out. Danae can always use extra people for relationships with children to to build into our youth, to to pour into them, just as we do throughout confirmation, Um, to to be a part of events and be a part of things like Service Week. Uh, It's not enough just to say, isn't that awesome that we've got a great youth program? Like, be a part of it. Join it. It's not enough to say, isn't that great that we have Thursday night dinner? No, no. Come out and help make that happen. Because if you don't, people get burned out. And, and we can't do it anymore. And we don't want that. Nobody needs to do that. Nobody needs to take that on all by themselves. And so just encourage you to, it, it, it's already, like I said, it's already part of our DNA. We do it so well here at the church. We are salt and light in our community. We are so responsive to, to answering the need when we hear about things in our community. So I just want to encourage you this morning with the words of Jesus to live into our DNA more fully. We are built to serve one another. And even as we do so, Sometimes we might be called to sacrifice. It might not be fun. It might not be uh, enjoyable. There are things that we are called to do because Jesus asks us to, that we just have to do it because that's what it means to follow Jesus. And of course, as I said in the beginning, it, it, it leads to benefits for us anyway, right? Serving and living outside of ourselves, pointing others to the goodness of God allows us to experience joy and happiness and satisfaction and purpose. And ultimately, we do all of that stuff because Jesus showed us the way by sacrificing himself so that we might have life eternal. And so church, uh, here's the last thing about service. I love this. Uh, Matthew 23, verse 11, Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. So if you're wondering, what do I do with my life? How do I find meaning? What, What does it mean to be 
to be great. It means that you're a servant. The greatest among you will be a servant. And the thing I love so much about that is that anybody can be great. Martin Luther King Jr. has a beautiful sermon on that. Anybody can be great because anybody can serve. Anybody can be great because anybody can serve. And in the midst of doing that, we find fulfillment, joy, happiness, and we live into the call and the invitation that God gives us to participate in the joy and the love and the kingdom of God in the world. And so friends, know this morning that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Go and do it. Let's do it together. Amen? Amen. Amen.